My name is Jensen Karp, and I'm a sports fan. Since I was a little kid, I memorized stats, watched any game on TV that I could, and obsessively collected jerseys. I mean, I had a Bryant Reeves Grizzly jersey, for Christ's sakes. And now here I am, alone, with the thing I love gone, thanks to a global pandemic and resulting quarantine. So to pass time and itch to scratch, I'm talking to athletes and sports industry professionals about what they're doing in quarantine, hoping to figure out if they miss competing as much as I miss watching it. This is the No Sports Report. Mitch Schwartz is an integral part of the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that currently, despite a 2020 season in limbo, are the defending Super Bowl champions. If you don't know, the man is a never-resting workhorse who, for good reason, is the second-highest-paid right tackle in the league. CBS vouched for that paycheck when he was named to their NFL All-Decade team for his position in 2019. The 6'5", 320-pound O-lineman also has a brother named Jeff who played in the NFL, making the Schwartzes the first Jewish brothers to play against each other in league history. Lachaim. And now, while in quarantine, Mitch is focusing on a brand new endeavor, taking the time off to focus on his culinary skills, getting a ton of attention for his Instagram foodie pics and recipes on his blog, Mitch in the Kitch. We talk about his kitchen inspirations, if Jews like us have it easier during a pandemic, and I break the news to him that Gronk may be headed to Tampa Bay. He's what my grandma would have called a real mensch. So here's my conversation with Mitch Schwartz on the No Sports Report. Call from Mitch Schwartz. To accept, press one. Hey man, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing as well as I can. I wanted to start off by asking where you're quarantined, just so I get kind of a location in my mind. Yeah, I'm in Kansas City. Okay, not too bad. And and you're with your wife Brooke, I'm assuming. Yes. And correct. I'm a big Instagram head, so I know that I know about cupcake and pumpkin. Oh, awesome! Yeah, they're keeping us company. I'm a big fan. Can you tell the listeners about how adorable they are, please? I would love to. They are two little Pomeranians. Kind of funny seeing me with them, how big I am and how little they are. But we got a cupcake when we were living in Cleveland in kind of a small apartment. And I wanted a big black lab and she wanted a palm and it just made more sense to get a palm. And now I'm 100% palm dad. And if you're going to get a small dog, just go all the way. And they're super cute. And they look like little teddy bears. And they got the greatest personalities. Yeah, you fully committed. And I'm, I'm proud of it. You have the backpack that sort of houses them in the front. You have, you're, you're, you're basically, you've taken on the full father figure. Essentially. We, we like to say they're our fur babies. Well, we'll get into your culinary skills in a little bit, which is obviously the focus of your quarantine. Well, we're hitting a month now under lockdown, and I'm wondering, my wife and I are starting to get slightly stir-crazy. You have to avoid sort of the repeat button every day, just sort of the Groundhog Day thing. Are you guys actively going out of your way to make sure you're doing something new every day at all? <laughs> What's funny is this is kind of my preferred style. I get to stay at home. I don't really have to see people and do small talk and pretend to, you know, make things more enjoyable than they seem. So I'm able to stay at home, cook all my meals, hang out with my dogs, uh, my garage into like a little workout center. So I'm able to stay in shape for football and I really don't have to leave. Uh, My life gets a little more stir crazy than I do. And so, you know, grocery shopping or things that need to get out of the house for, uh, typically she's doing that. So she as an excuse to get out of the house. Sure. Uh, are there any TV shows you guys are binging together? Yeah, we watched uh, Tiger King like everyone else. Yeah, you had to. You had to. You have to do that. Uh-huh. We watched the latest season of Ozark. Sure. Uh, which is pretty good. It's kind of 
fun to see when your home city gets brought up in TV shows. So that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's in the, not in the best of lights, but sure. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm trying to think. So we actually have like a two TV setup downstairs. So I can kind of, okay, I'll put the food network on, on my side. And then she kind of has control of her side and typically has the volume. And, you know, the first couple of episodes of the Michael Jordan doc aired. So, Obviously, I had to, to watch that along with everyone else. Oh, yeah. It, it does seem like we all kind of have the same TV guide between Tiger King, Ozark, uh, the Michael Jordan doc. I feel like a lot of people are just getting into this uh, Netflix show where people are dating, but they can't touch. Did you hear about that? You know, we watched, I think, the preview for that, yeah. and it was just pretty weird. <laughs> I don't know that we uh, continued with it. But, yeah, it seems like there's a lot, a lot of groupthink in these TV shows because I think people want one, to be connected, especially now with other people. And so if they're here and their friends are enjoying a certain thing, you know, they want to kind of get in on that. And also, I mean, for the most part, I feel like you ask people, hey, what have you seen lately? What are you watching? And so uh, these things get circulated. And like you said, I mean, everyone's kind of watching the same stuff. Absolutely. After winning the Super Bowl, you went on vacation with your wife. You guys were traveling while this was all amping up. Did you have any idea what was going on? And, and did you kind of run into anything while you were traveling? So we went to St. Lucia at the end of February and the beginning of March. And so that was pretty much in the clear. I mean, at that point, it seemed like it was mostly, you know, China and Europe a little bit. And so we weren't too worried about that. And then the first weekend in March, we actually both went down to Florida. And that one was a little bit, I wouldn't say dicier, but, you know, protocol started to be in place. And mm-hmm. we were trying not to shake people's hands there and trying to just be mindful of, you know, washing your hands. And then we were supposed to have a huge trip to England, Paris, and Ireland. One of my former teammates was scheduled to get married in Ireland, and so we kind of packed those other couple trips on there. And that ended up obviously getting canceled, you know, which is way worse for for them having uh, planned a wedding in Ireland and, you know, getting ready for that. But, you know, selfishly, it worked out that we hadn't left for that already. You know, we weren't overseas and borders got shut down, and so... That was the one we were, you know, looking forward to the most, and unfortunately had to cancel. Had to cancel it. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the truth, right? You were raised a Pacific Palisades Jew. I was a Woodland Hills Jew near each other. Uh, do you think we have it any easier during the pandemic because we always think we're sick and dying? <laughs> We've been hoarding for, for quite a while. So, you know, all those people getting all the toilet paper at Costco, I'm sure we all had our stock. <laughs> uh, you know, it's crazy. So we got back from St. Lucia and then from Florida and legitimately needed toilet paper. Like that was just a thing that we were going to go to Costco to get the next time we went. Sure. And there was none there. Everyone they cleared it out and we had to go on Amazon and get on like a two-week wait list for it. So luckily we found some spare around the house. I know. I, I can't believe we live in a reality where oil right now is cheaper than toilet paper. That is pretty wild. I hadn't thought of that specifically, but yeah, that's wow. That's crazy. It is wild. Continuing on the Jew talk a little bit, did you have a bar mitzvah theme? I did have a bar mitzvah. Seems like forever ago. But I think I actually did like a casino theme for uh, like the celebration part of it. Yeah. Kind of wanted to do something that I wasn't necessarily the focal point of. Like I'm <laughs> not big on dancing or kind of being front and center. So I thought the you know, casino route, we could kind of just all sit around tables and play cards. And yep. I guess we were probably playing for guilt at that point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, shouts to Jamie Simons from my uh, high school who had a casino theme. It was possibly the best bat mitzvah we had. Yeah, I I think everyone enjoyed it. You know, I don't remember anything, you know, too bad about it. So, uh, no bad memories. 
All right, I'm happy to have relived it. But an incredible stat about your career, you have you had never missed a snap in your eight seasons, 121-game career until a knee injury took you out for three snaps last year. It ended the longest consecutive uh, snap streak for an active player. It's 7,894. You basically play through everything. How hard is it to stop training, at least right now? Like, you, you work through everything. Only basically a pandemic can stop you. How does that feel? You know, that's an interesting question. So typically after a season, you know, you take some time off, you kind of rest your body, you go into, you know, a little bit of hibernation mode. And I've actually felt that after the first two or three weeks, my body starts feeling worse. But I do think there's something to be said for kind of active recovery and keeping moving and just doing, you know, a little bit every day. That could be as simple as, you know, a 20 minute body weight workout or things of that nature. But I think the body responds better to, you know, some level of activity. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, been the, the biggest thing that I've learned over this time is that you know you got to keep going, you got to keep you know doing something. Uh, that's one thing I think that kind of led to you know me being a little bit more durable. That I typically don't take you know all that time off, and so you don't necessarily have to be in great shape year round. But as long as you don't get yourself out of shape too bad in the off season, uh, it'll be easier when you do pick things up. That is a perfect transition to hashtag Chef Schwartz. When and where did your love for cooking begin? It began a long time ago. You know, there was a point in my childhood where I kind of stopped watching, you know, the cartoons and uh, things of that nature and transitioned to Food Network. And mm-hmm. That was something that, you know, when I was 12, 13, 14, I was already, you know, big into that and just learning all I could. And it really helped me out in college in particular because you, know, you go away, you're living on your own, you got to figure out meals for yourself. And, you know, we're typically there in the summer when you get summer school and there's no rigid schedule mm-hmm. and you're on your own. You got to cook for yourself. And so that's where I started cooking the most and developing you know, kind of recipes that I still cook to this day. And that's that's kind of the foundation for, for me doing it. And, you know, people always kind of ask about the cooking and where the inspiration come from and you know, how, did, how did you get into it? And that's the biggest thing to me is you got to just try it, like, you're going to overcook something. You're going to undercook something. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, worst case, you order pizza, you order Chinese food. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you have to screw up to know what works and what doesn't and what you like and what you don't. Sure. And just go for it. Yeah. I mean, I guess as someone who just focuses purely on cooking ramen, I wonder, was it like Iron Chef, Emerald, Good Eats, Unwrapped? Like, what were your Food Network go-tos? Yeah, growing up, it was Emerald. It was Wolfgang Puck and... Big time Good Eats with Alton Brown. I'd say that was kind of the, the foundation when I was watching you know, everything on TV before the good old internet days. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess I should have focused less on Saved by the Bell because I, I cannot cook. But you you truly have kicked into gear these last few weeks with your blog and the Instagram account, Mitch in the Kitsch. Recipes and photos. I feel like, as just an onlooker, you've started to focus on presentation during quarantine. It's beautiful plates. Is that something that you've decided to, to put more time towards? Well, thank you, first off. Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I do have to credit my wife there. She's always helping me out with that. And she knows kind of the best lighting for photos and what's going to look good. And yeah, I mean, especially on a medium, you know, like Instagram, you can't taste the food. So you're going to eat with your eyes, so to say. So you got to present it in a way that looks good. You know, I've, I've made a few dishes and you put it on the plate and it kind of just looks like dog food. And you're like, yeah, I might not go ahead and post that. Uh, it's not going to respond too well. Yeah. Well, the colors are beautiful. Uh, Some highlights for me in the past uh, few weeks, chicken nachos, the avocado toast, the spare ribs. What is your favorite thing to cook? 
So my single favorite thing to get right is brisket. Ooh. You know, if you're, you're barbecuing, I use a Traeger. But brisket to me is it's challenging because every single one's different. You, know, you could follow the same recipe, you know, cook it to the exact same temperature and all these things. And it's just different every time. And there's a little bit of, you know, kind of feel to it where uh, you got to make some judgment calls along the way. Mm. And so when you nail it, it's such a good feeling because, you know, you spent hours figuring it out and, and trying to make it perfect. Yeah. But I'd say for, you know, kind of a day-to-day, it's my favorite thing to cook. It'd be pizza. Sure. It's really easy, you know, dough is really easy to make. I think people are learning that. And, you know, the ultimate customizable food. And so I love a good homemade pizza. Yeah, I, I've seen many a pizza in your brisket journeys. Brisket, also my favorite barbecue. And I, and I was thinking about it when I was looking over your career. And I, I wish I was there the day you found out you were going from Cleveland to signing to Kansas City, one of the heavens for barbecue. That must have been a dream and part of your decision making. It had to have been. Yeah, you know, I was one of the kind of weird things when I was leaving Cleveland is I wanted to to go to you know a, a new place and Kansas City ended up being it and I knew the barbecue history so that was exciting but I wanted a place with more room I wanted a grill I wanted to be able to cook outside on the patio and just enjoy that and so you know the marriage of me coming to Kansas City the barbecue scene you know it definitely kind of sped up my process because I just lived in not the greatest apartment in, in Cleveland I couldn't even have a grill on on my deck and so I was really really looking forward to that and then you know, landing here and some would say it's kind of that the mecca of barbecue you're able to learn it all and i mean there's just so many places and it seems like you know every month or two there's a new kind of hot barbecue spot and sure it's just it's, it's really exciting and uh what is brooke's favorite meal that you make for her that's a good question um yeah she tends to like things that are i wouldn't say simple but just like classics and so oh shots uh, shots fired <laughs> no, not at all <laughs> i think she's got the sense of it like if you can just make a good cheeseburger it's kind of hard to beat a good cheeseburger i mean you can spend four hours on your feet working up this super fancy dish and i put like an awesome cheeseburger next to you you're gonna eat the cheeseburger so yeah i think my my smash burger might be up there for her uh, it's just uh it's hard to beat a good homemade smash burger yeah even you just saying it i know the picture from your instagram and it makes me also remember the from scratch matzo ball soup you made uh, it looked so good. What make what makes a good matzo ball besides Jewish guilt? I would say I'm a big texture guy, and so for me, the matzo ball is all that light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you got these matzo balls that are hard, that are dense, you know that that doesn't resonate to me as a matzo ball. A matzo ball is like I said, light and fluffy, and the spoon just goes right through it. I will say. I used a little too much dill. I cut back on the recipe from what I thought I should do, and it still was a little too much. And so the stock was excellent. The texture was excellent. Next time, the flavor is going to be perfect. Oh, I, I'm excited to see the update on the Instagram. Do you think a career on the Food Network, the place where this all began, do you think that that could happen for you after football is done? I would say, yeah, definitely a possibility. Uh, who knows kind of where this takes me, but I'm enjoying it. It seems like, you know, the fans are enjoying it and people are really connecting over it. And so, you know, I don't think cooking's ever going to not be fun for me. And so whatever comes to fruition, that would be exciting, but I'm going to be cooking regardless. I love it. I'm hoping for it. After this break, more with Super Bowl champion Mitchell Schwartz. As you know, communities are experiencing these difficult times differently across the country. 
Feeding America is working tirelessly to ensure our most vulnerable populations, students who are out of school, the elderly, individuals whose jobs are impacted, and low-income families continue to have access to food and other needed resources during this emergency. The Feeding America Food Bank Network is committed to serving communities and people facing hunger in America during the COVID-19 pandemic. Right now, their greatest need is donations and support of local food banks. This series is committed to donating all proceeds from the show to Feeding America, and we hope that you can join us in this effort too. Find out how you can help at feedingamerica.org backslash COVID-19. And now back to the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitchell Schwartz. You also graduated from Berkeley with a degree in American studies with a focus on identity and human development. Uh, with critical theory in mind and history and sociology and all the things that you learned in school, what is your takeaway from where this pandemic will lead us and where will its place be in history? I think the biggest thing is just awareness of your surroundings. I think it's going to be much more obvious that people are going to be aware of cleaning their hands or staying safe. And you know, I think that's Kind of the, the biggest single takeaway for me. And then also realizing the importance of human interaction. You know, people are isolated right now. They're not able to see their friends. They're not able to talk. And so people are missing their favorite people. So I think there'll be an you know, emphasis on being together, making time to see those most important to you, and then also washing your hands and doing so in a way that keeps you safe. Yeah, I was going to ask, too, like, with your knowledge in American studies, with this last week of people fighting to get businesses open and for us to sort of start our lives before doctors and science have really put us into uh, that kind of mindset, does that have any sort of precedence? Is there anything in sort of the idea of our history where people have just been like, nope, I'm moving along. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't know. It is a weird time where so many people affected and a lot of different ways, both health and also, you know, kind of business and work. So it's a weird struggle to, you know, want to stay closed to avoid infections in the most deaths possible, but then you're also putting a, a huge strain on people financially and all businesses and workers and such. So it's weird to see this all play out and just how do you know when is the right time to open back up or when you can kind of loosen restrictions and guidelines. And so I'm <laughs> glad I'm not the one making that call because uh, that just seems like an impossible task. Sure. I, I would rather you focus on the brisket as well. You put together an incredible Kansas City charity event every year called Q for a Cause, where you and some other Chiefs players get together and eat some next level barbecue for charity. Are you guys still planning that for this year or do you have to put it off to like next year? Well, the plan is to go ahead with it. You know, we'll see where, where the guidelines are. Typically it's in November and you know, I'm hoping by then that we're allowed to do group settings and have people around. But yeah, it's a really cool thing. I mean, we've talked about the food and football and so being able to use that to you know, raise some money for some of our you know, favorite local charities. It's just a really cool way to give back. Um, so I am hearing, this is, this is real, it's going to sound like a bit, but while we're doing this interview, I am reading a bunch of reports online for real that WWE champion Rob Gronkowski is asking to be traded to the Bucks. I guess to rejoin Brady. That Seems crazy. It seems crazy, but it's also like just the right amount of crazy that it seems real. Yeah. And I mean, with Gronk, you can never rule anything out, right? Yeah. All last year, we're just waiting for him to come back. And yeah, I think going back to kind of the human interaction that we talked about earlier, I mean, that's the thing that players miss. You know, there's other ways to compete. I mean, obviously, he can do WWE, he can sure. be on TV as much as he wants, he can do all these other things, but you just can't really replicate the locker room, being around your buddies every day, joking around, 
those are the types of things that are just hard to find once you're done with the game. And so, you know, I'm sure he's he's craving that. He's craving, you know, being a lunatic down in, in Tampa and it's kind of a new spot. I mean, you know, you hear conflicting reports on, you know, what people think of the Patriots regime and, and how fun it is to be there. And so, you know, I think, you know, both of those guys down there, you know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and you know, you can't just do keg stands in normal life. you got to figure out ways to celebrate and do keg stands. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tall keg stand. It is. Uh, lastly, we have something that's a little positive to end with, and then I'll, I'll give you some dumb suggestions. But I, I kind of I adjusted this question for you a little bit. Is there anything in the cooking world where people are utilizing their kitchen that you want to see people implement into their dinners or lunches in the future once we're out of this pandemic? You know, the biggest thing I can think is I think people are utilizing everything they have in their pantry and in their fridge, and they're not wasting things because, you know, opportunities to run to the grocery store are limited. You're tending to make things into the batches to last longer. And I think food waste is a huge problem. And it's cool to see people, you know, kind of digging into the bottom of the vegetable drawer and making sure that they're you know, utilizing those kind of weird spices you have tucked away in your pantry that probably are expired, but also probably go ahead and, and use up. So I think that's, that's been pretty cool to see, you know, kind of the unique things that people are, are whipping up with just pantry staples. Yeah, my wife will be very happy to hear that. She is also, she's a bit of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to expiration dates. She's like, oh, they just say that so that they don't get sued. I'm like, no, they say that to stay healthy. Well, there's two, there's expiration dates Mm -hmm. and there's sell-by dates. Yeah, sell-by we know, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to keep that in mind. Okay, so here are some suggestions for quarantine. You clearly are busy in the kitchen and hanging out with Brooke, but I have some suggestions that I think could help past the boredom. First up, my wife recently cut my hair. She did a much better job than I would have ever predicted. And I'm thinking it would be nice to return the favor, but hair is way too serious. Uh, my wife actually has her own hair care line, so I'm I'm not going to mess with the moneymaker. But I can maybe learn how to do a pedicure or at least paint toenails. Would you be willing to do that during quarantine? Yeah, I would love to learn how to do a pedicure because for whatever reason, my feet are all dry and cracking apart. So if I could whip that up on myself that would be amazing all right that's a good start we could look you could research a bit online secondly this is a suggestion maybe for both you and i but i pass it in the aisles of target every time i visit and i'm wondering is it time for me to buy an air fryer so we got an air fryer for our wedding part of our registry and i tried it a few times and i don't love it we tried to make salmon which was actually recommended by one of Brooke's best friends, and it just like smokes the whole house out for like 20 minutes in a row. Mm-hmm. So I know people that have had great experiences with it. Yeah, I personally haven't, and I think it's something that you don't need to spend the 200 bucks on. You could figure it out with other methods. Yeah, it's like everyone brags about their mozzarella sticks or air fryer donuts, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. This doesn't seem right. I, I'd rather, I'd rather just get a whole McDonald's deep fryer in the house. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I've learned, like. Just if you want the fried food, just eat it, but eat a lot less of it. Like it's better to do the best version of it in moderation than it is to you know, halfway go it, and you really just don't feel satisfied after doing that. Agreed. My last suggestion is a business opportunity. I'm giving you the first chance to get in early, an IPO of sorts before it takes over the nation. Okay, have you have you seen how kids online have been celebrating birthdays during quarantine? I haven't, but I'd love to hear more. 
Okay, I'm, ex- I'm going to explain it to you. They have these parades where people drive by the house of the person, the kid who's celebrating. They're holding balloons and signs. Yeah. It's a bunch of friends and teachers. Oh. Okay, all right. Now, I think this... I'm not saying it's going to live on, but I'm saying we don't know how long we're going to be in these houses. So I would like to start a company with you called Car Mitzvah. <laughs> you, you have me told just with the name. Whatever we do after that, it's going to work. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> so let me describe. It's for boys that are turning 13, obviously. And because large gatherings are outlawed, we can't have a bar mitzvah, even a casino theme. And it's just going to be people driving by the house. He'll light the candles from his front yard while everyone's sort of watching and honking. We'll make sure the grandparents have good air conditioning so they won't complain about how humid it is. We'll, we basically are almost party planners for a drive-by bar mitzvah. I, I dig it. I have to ask, uh, can we do this for the bris too? Or <laughs> <laughs> I did not think of the bris. As long as the, the bris isn't happening in a moving car, I think we could make it happen. I think we could just cover all of the serious occasions. Thank you. I mean, listen, I already would like to drive by my Passover, so it makes sense. Listen, Mitch, thank you so much, man. I'm so happy to have spoken to you. Please stay safe, you and Brooke, and and keep that Instagram looking extremely delicious. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. The No Sports Report is produced and distributed by Treefort Media. The show is executive produced by Kelly Garner, Lisa Ammerman, and me, Jensen Carton. Our series producer is Matthew Kugler. Tom Monahan is our senior audio engineer and sound supervisor with additional production help from Tim Schauer, June Rosen, and Haley Mandelberg. With production and editing by Jasper Leek. Our theme music is composed by Spilkus. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You have nothing else to do. Send it to your friends, tweet, share, post about it, do whatever you can. And please visit feedingamerica.org. And if you're able to make a donation, any amount will help make a difference. And you can learn more about other ways to help on their website. For more information on the No Sports Report, links to the socials, and for our show transcripts for the hearing impaired listeners, please go to treefort.fm. Be safe and be well.